0: Gary's been preaching on the Psalms, and I chose a Psalm to continue that thought. I want you to listen. Uh, read along if you want to, but just listen to what this man has a story he wants to tell you. It's very personal. So just listen, if you would, to his story. And the interesting thing is, he made it into a song, a worship song. Surely God is good to Israel. This is Psalm 73, by the way. I didn't mention that. Psalm 73. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet came close to stumbling. My steps had almost slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant, as I saw the prosperity of the wicked, "...for there are no pains in their death, and their body is fat. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like mankind. Therefore pride is their necklace. The garment of violence covers them. Their eye bulges from fatness. The imaginations of their heart run riot. They mock and wickedly speak of oppression. They speak from on high. They have set their mouth against the heavens." And their tongue parades through the earth. Therefore his people return to this place and waters of abundance are drunk by them. And they say, how does God know? And is their knowledge with the most high? Behold, these are the wicked and always at ease. They have increased in wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure. And washed my hands in innocence, for I have been stricken all day long and chastened every morning. this is and let me say a word about this this is the personal testimony of a man of God. This is a person telling about how God has worked in his life, speaking, relating the story to you of his own personal experiences, good and bad. I suffered, I I was troubled, I was burdened. And I want you to know about it. I want you to hear my story. I think we're once among us, personal testimonies were frowned on and, and probably discouraged. We only want to hear the word. That's subjective. And, and yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. But when a person tells you his story of how his walk and the word and will and relationship with God came into conflict with with what he saw or experienced in the world, what he went through, that's the living part of Christianity. It's the word and the life as they come together. And I need to hear your story. Everybody here without fail has a story of your experience, your troubles, your struggles. I want to hear about your conversion. How did you come to know Jesus? What touched you? What brought you? What struggles did you have in trying to live for him as you found the teachings of of God and, and, and of a holy life come in conflict with the world that we live in? I want to know about your struggles, and I want to know what you did with them. I want to know about the burdens that you've had. Those are strong examples of faith, and they encourage us. Parents, your children need to hear the story of your conversion and of your life with God. Oh, they need to hear the story of how mom and dad met and fell in love, and they need to hear that story. See, this, this is part of our history that we need to pass down grandparents tell your grandchildren of the great things I love the song that we were just singing we will he has done great things we will say together tell the story we need to hear the story of the great things we need to hear the story of the struggles we need to hear the struggle or the story of, of your prayers that have been answered, of your relationships and how God played a part in that, your, your victories, and, and one of the most important things is to ask a person, tell me about your failure and how you dealt with it with God's help. Tell your story. It's important, and it's scriptural. It's biblical. You know, until Moses started writing the first few books in the Bible. It was all verbal. Deuteronomy is all testimony. Over in Psalm 78, and Asaph, by the way, wrote that too. He wrote about uh, 12 different Psalms. Notice what he says. Uh, Let's see, Psalm 78, 1 through 4. Listen, O my people, to my instruction. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not conceal them from their children, but tell to the generation to come the praises of the Lord. You know, we celebrated a, a, a milestone in this church. We have, this church has a testimony. It needs to be heard how God has worked here, how he has blessed. He just mentioned a while ago the first day he showed up. I remember that. Here, this young Polynesian man is you know he and his wife they had they had come visiting here and somebody said the man can lead singing Terry Logsdon jumped all over him I did say nail his feet you know preachers are dime a dozen but good song leaders hard to come by you can't save your amens for the good stuff all right Stories are important. Our testimony is important. Small groups are a great place to get to tell and to hear the stories and to learn from them. Your walk with God blesses and strengthens me. So, first of all, there's that. That's a testimony. And this psalm is a testimony of Asaph. Now, let me tell you who Asaph is. Asaph. Was the song leader. He's Chuck. He was David's song leader in the temple. When they came to worship there, Asaph was the chief musician, the worship leader, the choir director. He wrote Psalms 50 and, uh, as I said, 73 through 83. And he's telling, though, I mean, he's a minister. And we expect ministers to be holy men, don't we? Never struggle. They're above all that. No, Asaph is telling us, let me tell you a time in my life that was dark. A time in my life that was troubled. I was discouraged. I was in despair. I was full of resentment and bitterness. In fact, he said, it was so bad, I almost fell away. Why? Because what I was seeing in the world wasn't right. It wasn't right. It wasn't wasn't fair. And you know what? He's absolutely right. It wasn't. Now, hold on to that and let me tell you something. Do you know what is probably the most common reason that relationships fail. I'm talking about all relationships. Marriages, parent-teacher, or parent-child, rather, not teacher. (laughs) Parent-child, friend relationships, and relationships with God. Why people leave the church. Do you know why? The same reason is is in all of these. And that reason is unmet expectations. Here's what I'm expecting to happen. And it didn't happen. And I'm hurt. And I'm disappointed. And I'm angry. It happens in relationship, and it happens in marriage. I've told this story many times, but it's a good story. I'm going to tell it again, besides some of you are new. Uh, when Barbara and I first got married, we hadn't been married long, living in a little bitty apartment, been a garage cha- made into an apartment out in Abilene while I was going to school. And she said one day, you need some new underwear. I said, okay. Now, my expectation Was that she was gonna go buy me some and put it in my drawer and it would appear there. That's what my mama had always done. I had never bought any underwear. I didn't know where underwear came from. It (laughs) appeared, it appeared in my drawer. When I needed more underwear, there it was. And so I expected, I expected she would go buy some and it would show up in my drawer. A week or so later, she said, I thought you were gonna get some new underwear. And I said, no, that's not what was going to happen. She expected I would go buy me some underwear. She didn't know what my expectations were. She didn't know that I didn't even know where underwear came from. <laughs> was there an underwear store? Underwear or us? I don't know. <laughs> but that, I, I didn't know. And that's a silly thing, but it's about expectation. Here's what I thought What's going to happen? Here's what I thought should happen. And we come into marriage. We make friendships. We come into the church. We start following the Lord with certain expectations. Now, the problem with that is, is like what I'm talking about. Some of our expectations are unrealistic. They're ridiculous, but we don't know that. This is like the wife who says to her husband, if you really loved me, you would know. You would know why I'm mad. You would know why I'm upset. You would know what I want if you really loved me. We love you, but we don't know. We don't have a clue. It doesn't work like that. You have to tell us. Say, well, if I have to tell you, Not much use, is there? Oh, yes, there is. You could stop being mad. Because we might have a chance to go do that. Expectations. It's the most common reason that people leave the Lord and the church. I expected that God would do something. Maybe he would protect my family. He would keep bad evil things from happening to me are coming into my life. He would keep me from pain. He would keep these burdens off of me. He would protect my children and never let anything happen to them. And so when one of those expectations is unmet, we feel betrayed. And that harms that relationship. I got married and expected my wife to take care of me and cook just like my mama did. Going to be hurt. I got married and I expected my husband to be romantic every day and never offend me. That he would know my needs all the time. You're going to be hurt. Because that's not going to happen. I came into the church a member of the body. I expected the church to, to always pay me the attention and to, and to know when I was needy and, and to be there every time that I was having a, a, a crisis or going through a burden or, or sick or, or just feeling bad. Oh, you're going to be so hurt. You see, when I have these expectations, I am laying down the law, so to speak, to you. I'm putting a burden on you that may be, may well be unrealistic. Why do you think, and maybe we have to be reminded of this, why do you think that Paul said to Christians, now listen, folks, here's what you need to do. I need you to walk. Live your life daily in a manner that is worthy of the calling, worthy of someone who is following Jesus. Act like that. Make your decisions on that. Be a person who looks like you're following Jesus with all humility, with gentleness, with patience, showing forbearance to one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Why does he tell you to do that? Because I am not going to live up to your expectations. That's why none of us are. None of us are. I can't live up to your expectations. I don't even live up to mine. I certainly can't live up to yours. But that doesn't mean I'm not following Jesus. So maybe you need to adjust your expectations. That's part of learning. That's part of the relationship. And Asaph said, I expected God to bless his people and to punish the wicked And that's not what I'm seeing. I'm looking out there. I see evil people who mock God and and righteousness and everything that God stands for. They scoff at God. They're hurtful to other people. They run over them. They take advantage. They, They do awful things. And yet, as they do all of these things, they're rich and they're powerful, and they're living in ease, and they're prospering. And then he says, and here I am. Notice verses 13 and 14. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure. Hear, what he, hear where he's coming from? It's been for nothing. I've done all that, and what's it got me? Nothing. I've washed my hands in innocence, but I have been stricken, and I don't know whether Asaph had a disease or burdens or troubles or maybe with his family or with his children. I mean, I don't know what they were, but he said, I, I've had problems. I've got problems, and they don't. You know, one of the great arguments about God for those people who don't believe, well, look around you, people, sweet, innocent people. There's wars, and there's famine, and, and here here's these innocent children. I mean, go to, go to St. Jude. It's a cancer center for children. Why, they say, why a God that would let that happen. My expectations of God. Don't want any part of him. But you know, we see that in our world, the same thing that Asaph was talking about, don't we? Most of the rich, a lot of them, many of the powerful people, in whatever realm you want to talk about that, many of the beautiful, famous people, the people who have the power, the people who are Adored and worshiped and applauded. Many of them, not all, but many of them, scoff at God. They mock Him. We don't want God in, in our vocabulary. We don't want you to talk about God. We don't want to hear it anywhere. We don't want to see any evidence of it. We want it gone. Things have changed in our world from the time I was a, a youngster. Many of you can see this. It, it has changed. It was, Maybe we were never a Christian nation as such, but there was, there was sympathy. There was, it was a positive thing to be a Christian. It was, it was encouraged. It was deferred to. Not now. I'm telling you, it's changing. It's changing powerfully. It's changing radically. And the fact is, it doesn't seem right, does it? It doesn't seem fair. Doesn't make sense. We, we, we say almost, well, doesn't God care? Doesn't he care? Look at verse 16. When I ponder, here's Asaph telling you. He's telling you about himself. When I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight. I was, I was in turmoil over this. I wanted to shout, it's not fair, and it wasn't. It isn't fair. Not then, not now. Talk to Abraham about fair. When he waited so long into his hundreds to have a child, the child that was the delight of his life, that was the promise of God that he delighted in, and God said, go kill him on Mount Moriah. He could have said, no, that's not fair. He would have been right. Talk to Joseph, who was sold by his brothers, wrongly accused by Potiphar's wife, ended up in prison, not only a slave, but in a prison as a slave, could shout to heaven, this is not fair. And it wasn't. No, it's not fair. Talk to Moses grew up in Pharaoh's household, now living in the Midian desert, herding sheep. This is not fair. No. Ask Jesus, hanging on a cross. This is not fair. No. No, it wasn't. Hanging on a cross for the sins of other people that you didn't commit, that others did, Suffering in their place? This is not fair. No. No, it's not. It's not fair. Asa said, I couldn't make it all fit. I couldn't bring it together. And then there is this beautiful word. Until, don't you love that word? I couldn't make it fit. This is what was going on. This is what was happening until, because that always says, something's about to change. Something dramatic is about to change. He said, until I came into the sanctuary of God, then I perceived their end. Surely thou dost set them up in slippery places. Thou dost cast them down to destruction. How they are destroyed in a moment. They are utterly swept away by sudden terrors like a dream when thou awakes. O Lord, when aroused, thou wilt despise their form. When my heart was embittered, and I perceived within that I was senseless and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. Okay, let me tell you how he got over his, his anger, his bitterness. He went to church. That's what we would say today. No, he went to the temple, and, but he went to church. He went to a place where God was being Recognized and acknowledged and worshiped, and suddenly he gets a new perspective. Suddenly he sees it. Do you know what he saw? I don't know whether it was maybe when they were singing a a special song, maybe it was during a prayer, maybe it was while they were reading from the Word of God. I don't know when it was, but he said it was there that it suddenly dawned upon me, this is not all there is. I'm just looking at the here and the now, and God is trying to get me to see eternity, the big picture. And he says, I realize they'll get what's coming to them in time, not here. I'll get what's coming to me in time, not here. Oh, brethren, we get all upset sometime that this isn't like heaven, and this isn't it. This is a place of trouble and struggle, and there are going to be hurts. You know, talking about when it's not fair, it's not fair. You see it here. You see it everywhere. Some of the sweetest, most beautiful, precious people are bearing some hurts, some wounds, some burdens. Isn't that fair? Why? I have no idea. I'm like Asaph. I can't make any sense out of it. But I don't have to. I don't trust to make sense out of what's here and now and happening here, we just sang the song about God's faithfulness, faithful love. I trust that. More and more over the years, I trust that. I trust him. Not what's the ear. Not what's happening here, what may be happening to me or maybe happening to you or even some of my family that I adore and want so much to be protected and, and sheltered and my loved ones that I care so much about. Some of them are hurting and burdened. Oh, not fair, not fair. But sometimes the beauty comes out of the pain, the wonder. And some of them will tell you talk to some of these people they'll tell you I struggled or I'm struggling now and that's part of the beauty that we even struggle it'd be so easy to just get up and or give up and and get angry and get bitter and no 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 we bring in all the promises of god we bring in Our faith in him and our trust that he's faithful. And we fight it. We struggle. Every day. Because the reward is not here. Not now. Asaph got a view of eternity. Of the big picture. Not just the here and now. Now. He got his eyes off the daily situation and got it on eternity. I'm reminded of when Peter got out of the boat. Jesus was walking on the water and he said, let me come to you. And Peter's walking on the water until he took his eyes off. Jesus started looking at the waves and got scared and started to sink. What did we sing a little bit ago? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Full in his face. And so Asaph says, you know what I need, Lord? I need you. I need to be with you. That's enough. That's what I need. I don't need to be fat and prosperous and power like they are. I don't need necessarily to always be healthy and everything going great in my life, but I do need to be with you you. That's enough. Let me tell you something. That is enough. And it'll never be enough until you're there. You ever watch that uh, TV show that's on, I don't know, some different kind of channel called uh, Long Lost Family? You ever watch that? Am I the only one that watches that? (laughs) Well, turn o- you do we' well, good. Well, turn over and watch it and, and have you a box of clinics nearby. It's about people who were adopted at a very young age who decide later on. Now everybody doesn't decide this, they don't need to, but these people need to find their parents. their parents. Their birth parents. They may love their adopted parents. Man, I couldn't have, couldn't even been better. But I need, I need to find these people. I need to know them. I need for them to know me. I want them to be in my life. As a matter of fact, they say, and it's always tearful. I mean, it's wonderful. Uh, But they always say, I've had a hole in my heart. Something's missing in my life. I needed to find that person. And afterward, they often say, it's okay now, I'm whole. Let me tell you something. You were created with a big hole in your heart and in your life. Gary talked about it the other day in one of his great sermons. We're always looking for something to fill it. We'll spend our life trying to find something to fill it. Wealth, power, prestige, fun, something, 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 and it'll never be filled because it can only be filled by God in your life, in your heart. You were made that way. You can't even deny that. It's a fact. And there will be a hole in your heart and in your life until you come find him. And that's exactly what Asaph is saying. I am continually, I remembered, he said. I remembered, look at verses 23 and 24. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You have taken hold of my right hand. With your counsel, you guide me. And afterward, receive me to glory. That's it. That's what we need. Asaph was a man who gave us his testimony. He said, let me tell you what happened to me. It almost caused me to fall away until I got my head on straight. It almost caused me to walk away from God. Brethren, what happens to us and to others that we love only matters in how we face it, in the context. You see... We're different from those of the world. We have a context that includes Jesus and the resurrection and the hope of life eternal and the expectation, which is a legitimate one, of living forever with him. That's ours. Trusting our God, saying, I need you. I need you every hour. Father, today, today we thank you that you have reached out to us, that you've made yourself known because we need you in our lives. We couldn't face the day without you, and so we thank you, we praise you, and for all of us who are struggling, who are dealing with burdens that are too much for us alone, with fears that are too much for us alone, with responsibilities that are too much for us alone, with a life that is too much for us alone. We thank you that you're with us, that you empower us, that you bless us, that you guide us, and we pray that you touch every heart here today and bring us closer to you. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.